Welcome to the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast. I am Becca Kephart, and in a few minutes, I'm going to talk to both Sarah Hibbs and Andrea Eaton about their experiences this weekend at the United States Women's Disc Golf Championship. Sarah played in Intermediate, and Andrea played in FPO, so I'm really, really excited to get to talk to them and get kind of um, a view from the ground about the pro experience and the amateur experience this weekend. And it was an exciting weekend, y'all. So I'm going to say like a whole bunch of spoilers coming up. So if you don't want to be spoiled, good news is by the time you hear this, there should probably be all three rounds of FPO feature card and lead card out on Jomez Pro. So jump over to YouTube, go check that out. Uh, Zoe Ann Dyke and Paige Pierce are commentating rounds one and two. I assume they'll be doing round three as well. So you can see everything that went down on those top cards and uh, see these courses out there in Spotsylvania, Virginia. They looked like really amazing courses. Um, definitely a lot of technicality to them. I would say championship <laughs> caliber courses for sure. Um, but, you know, very fair and, and I think just really good courses for the women. Um, and like I said, we'll find out some more from, from some people that were there and, and how they feel about uh, the courses. The AMs did play some different courses that we didn't get to see on film yet. So, uh, yeah, super curious about those as well. All right, so let's get to the action, to the recap of USWDGC. Let's go ahead and start with FP40, because why not? So first round, FP40. So FP40 was playing Pool A, which was the same pool that FPO was in. They played Loriella and then uh, for the first and third rounds, and then the second round was at Hawk Hollow. And in the first round, y'all... Elaine King shoots the hot round five under to match Paige's Pierce's also five under. They play the same course, you guys. And that's a 980 rated round for Elaine King, which is just impressive <laughs> to say the least. She's been having a fantastic season. Love to see her having a great season and also a great season throwing MVP. It's just fantastic. So Elaine King comes out swinging. And then in uh, round two, Natalie Holokoy gets four strokes back on her and shoots the hot round that uh, actually that looks like it was tied for the hot round that second round with Kelly Boyce. And then third round, Elaine King beats Natalie Holokoy by one stroke to take the win with two strokes. So Elaine King finishes at four under and Natalie comes in second place at two under and Barrett White comes in third place at four over. So shout out to all the FP40 women. Uh, those that I'm friends with on Facebook were posting lots of pictures and looked like everyone was having a super amazing, awesome, fun time. Huge field, field of 27. Uh, just really, really great to see. So yeah, there's your FPO. Then we are, or sorry, FP40. And then we also had an FP60 plus field. And first place goes to Suzette Simmons. She won by one stroke over Carol Silverthorne. And in third place, we have Lori Cloys Chupa. I'm sorry if I said that very wrong, Lori. Lori has a four-digit PDGA number, um, lowest number in that field, which is fantastic. So way to go, FP60. In FA1, Beth Kimball takes the win by... <gasps> 
one stroke over Hope Brown that you may remember from prior shoutouts this season. And Colleen Turner comes in third, 16 in advanced women's division. In FA40, we had a field of nine. FA40 was won by Becky Trojan by, okay, two strokes this time over Danya Stanley. And Aaron Fitzpatrick takes third place. In FA50, Nadia Kokaro won by six strokes over Angie Jones. And third place was taken by Carol Quinn. In FA55, another name we've said a few times this season, Karen Shearer wins by 20 strokes over Kathleen Hudson in third place. Oh boy, Patricia. Patricia Naprud Mells. I think that's somewhere in the ballpark of something that is a correct-ish pronunciation. FA60, we have five players. In first place, Maureen Miller won by 10 strokes over Christine Ford. And Patty Joseph took third place. In FA70, field of three, they are all getting shouted out. First place goes to Paula Bowen. She uh, won by 26 strokes over second place's Nancy Wright. And in third place, Janny Darling. All of the hugest shout outs to FA70. I just hope and dream and pray that I will be able to be still playing this wonderful sport after I am 70. All right, FA2. Jane Ellen Hanks wins by one stroke over Ashley Drahan. And in third place, Emily Apgar. That looks like a really fun, tight battle went down in FA2. Congrats to everybody out there in that division. FA3 was won by Caitlin Yelvington by three strokes over Courtney Cooper. And in third place, Megan Stoll. And then FA4, winner is Kelsey Sweeten, who wins by 11 strokes over Denise PHX Bayless. I think do think the PHX probably stands for Phoenix. I think so. Denise, let me know. That's fantastic. And in third place, D. White, junior girls, 18 and under. Boy, we've got some junior girls coming up that are just throwing very, very well. And junior girls, 18 and under, was won by Lily Marr, who was very good at the disc golf. She won by seven strokes over Mindy Young. And in third place, Victoria Scott. In FA15, we had one competitor, Amanda Yun, who played very, very, very well. <laughs> so Amanda Yun, y'all, she's currently rated 803. Her first round was 913. Her second round was 917. Her third round was 926. And her fourth round was 884. That is many, 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 many points over her current rating. So way to go, Amanda. That's fantastic. And then FA12 was won by... The only participant, but still, shout out to Caitlin Parr. Also shot well over her rating in that win. And then FA10, Rosemary Marr is the only competitor. And uh, looks like she shot pretty well as well. So shout out to all of our amateur players that competed at the USWDGC this weekend. 
All right, so let's get into FPO. Lots of exciting things about FPO. Uh, 52 competitors, which I believe is the largest field of FPO players we've ever had by three. I think I looked back and Worlds last year had 49 competitors. So 52, new record. Really, really very neat, very exciting. Um, and, you know, U.S. Women's is always really interesting, right? Because you have regional FPO players and local FPO players that have maybe played these courses um, a little more often than maybe uh, some of the traveling pros. So that comes into play, although, man, our traveling pros are really good, right? To be able to, you know, come in, have a few practice days and, and play so incredibly well. Um, but it, it makes for a very interesting tournament um, because this is this is one that goes kind of all over the place. So watching the video coverage, uh, we had Kristen Parsley on the podcast about a month and a half ago and she described these courses and it was so neat to, to finally see them on video. A lot of technical wooded shots but they weren't all that way. There were definitely some some more open shots as well um, and yeah so let's kind of get into it starting with round one. So shout out to Margaret Bodensteel. I didn't even come close to saying that right, Margaret. Uh, unfortunately, Margaret looks like she DNF'd in the third round. Uh, hopefully she's all right. But she kicks off the tournament on the first card, on the first hole, with an ace. How bananas is that? That is so cool. <laughs> like, Can you imagine at a major, your first hole, you just go ahead and throw it throw it in the basket in one throw. That's really, really, really uh, impressive and I think really fun and hopefully just going to always be an amazing memory for Margaret. So shout out to you, Margaret. Uh, you can catch the little video clip of that on the PDGA um, Facebook page. I, I reposted it on our Facebook page as well. So Round one is at L'Oreella. Uh, go watch the Jomez coverage. The first round feature card was uh, Kristen Tatar, Paige Pierce, Haley King with the most swagger uh, face pick thing they do before the round ever it's fantastic just go watch it and you'll see what I'm talking about and then Hannah Macbeth and it was awesome to see her on coverage as well uh, so go check out round one and then at the end of round one boy were things tight like really really tight so Paige Pierce as I mentioned before ends up shooting the hot round uh, that she tied with uh, Lane Keen in FP40 of five under and then Kristen Tatar and Sarah Hoka were both just one stroke behind at four under and then we had seven players <laughs> tied at three under par which was really neat so very 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 tight um, after just that one round which is why we play lots of rounds at these tournaments anyway and kind of a fun story uh, if you listen to the podcast earlier this season um, and then last year I did a interview with Michelle Frazier last year for um, USWDDC. I interviewed a whole bunch of different people and she volunteered to be my FPO person, which was awesome. Um, and she has a cool story because Michelle's whole family plays and her very first tournament was actually a US women's way back in the day. I think she was like 12 or something. Um, and she has a really low PDGA number because her, her family has played for so long. So she got to go to the lead card being tied with all those other people at three under. Um, and that was really fun to see her on uh 
the coverage. So you'll see her on the round two, Jomez, along with uh, Sarah Hokum, Kristen Tatar, and Paige Pierce. So that round two, then they move out to Hawk Hollow. And Paige and Kristen both have just really, really good, amazing rounds, kind of put themselves kind of above everybody else. Um, so for round two, Kristen Tatar actually takes the hot round on that one, shooting seven under, which is pretty darn good. And then Paige Pierce also uh, shot six under to um, make them tied, right? Because that's how math works. But oh my gosh, y'all, round two, Katrina Allen just goes bananas and fires off eight birdies in a row. And Udisk Matt ran the data. And as far as uh, Udisk goes, that is the longest birdie streak of any FPO player that they've had on record. So <laughs> shout out to Kat. That was an incredible run. Super cool. She ultimately ended that round at six under and moved on to lead card. And then Paige Birkis is back. Super stoked to see her out playing. She's been busy doing wedding planning things and had to drop a bunch of tournaments and doing all the planning and the life and the things and I totally get that um, but she shot four under and moved on to the lead card for today's final round so final round three they go back to Loriella and I'm following along you know on the UDISC and then the PDGA went live on Facebook, which was really nice. Marty Gregoire went live with a, a cell phone and a stabilizer uh, for the last 10 holes, which was great because then we actually got to you know see it as it was happening along with the, the UDISC live stats. And it was a fun, fun final round. Um, back at Loriella, lots of people playing really, really good golf. Um, and... Fun fact that uh, Paige Birkis got the first four holes in a row. She birdied all four of them. So that was very exciting to see her, uh, you know, just totally slaying there at the beginning. Um, so Kristen gets hole one. Paige gets hole two. They're still tied. But then going into hole three, and I haven't seen the coverage for this yet, Paige takes a five where Kristen takes a three. So all of a sudden, Kristen has this two-stroke lead. And really, you should just go watch the PDGA live right now if you can or, or you know, check out the Jomez post-produced coverage because it is going to be an exciting round to see all the camera angles on um, because Kristen was driving really, really well. And from what I saw, that was really... One of the biggest um, things that that ultimately helped her win the tournament. So we'll look at the the player stats here and see if the words I'm saying check out. And and they mostly do. Um, she had 76% fairway hits. And y'all, it's amazing. Like if you go to UDisc and you look at these stats, it gives you really. We talk about like oh, I really need to work on my putting or, oh, I really need to work on my driving or my upshots or, or whatever the case may be. And I could give you the stats of who's number one in each category, right? But it's about finding that balance. The players that win these tournaments are not going to be number one in every single category, but they're probably going to be in the top 10 in each category and they're going to put things together in such a way that results in more birdies. 
um, because that's kind of, <laughs> especially for this tournament, you know, if you got the most birdies and played the most consistently, you were going to win, which is just, I know, how golf works. But Kristen Tatar had an incredible birdie percentage um, on the day. It was 41%. But you know who had an even better birdie percentage? Paige Pierce. But Kristen Tatar had only 9% bogeys, where Paige Pierce had 15. Kristen uh, hit the fairway 76% of the time, and Paige was at 67%. Um, but here's the thing. like Paige had a really good putting day. She was 89% from circle one, 17% from circle two. Kristen wasn't that far behind. She was 76% from circle one and 18% from circle two. But Kristen did have Paige in the scramble department for sure and that definitely passed the eye test um, just watching them play where Kristen had a 75% scramble percentage and Paige had a 60% and as you know playing in the woods right <laughs> you got to be able to to scramble it's such a huge huge part of of this kind of disc golf um, so yeah it was really fun to see in real time Kristen I mean, if you listen to our podcast, we know, you know, we've been talking about her for over a year and to have her come out um, for this U.S. swing is so cool. And kind of a little tangent on that, you know, she and Silver, her partner, were able to come out last year and do this swing as well, just because Worlds was a little bit later in the year. And, um, you know, especially last year, everything was kind of on the East Coast. That kind of makes it easier here at the end of the season. And the reality of it is it's just going to be harder for these international players to maybe make the trip to Worlds next year to make a big swing. And maybe they come earlier, right? So U.S. Women's is still going to be in September, but Worlds is going to be in January next Or sorry, not January. That would be real rough. <laughs> it's going to sound much better when I say what it is now. Uh, so Worlds is going to be in June in Utah, which makes sense just because of kind of how the tour usually goes. And that'll make sense for the touring pros here as they go to the West Coast. And maybe we get some... Um, you know, international players that usually come to the California events, you know, out early for Worlds. And that will be awesome. But, you know, unless Kristen can be here for the entire summer, it's going to be hard for her to play both Worlds and defend her U.S. women's title. But if she can stay here the whole summer, that would be phenomenal. Um, and yeah, let's look at her uh, her trip out here just real quick because it's really, really cool. Like, y'all, you know there's not a lot of money in disc golf, right? And the expenses of having to travel here and all of that, I am so happy that she's been able to cash at every event that she's played here and cashed pretty well. So she got here for Pro Worlds and she took sixth place. She got second at the Delaware Disc Golf Challenge, second at MVP, and then first at Canadian Nationals, which is awesome because she won both Canadian and U.S. Nationals. How cool is that? And then second place at the GMC, and now first place at U.S. Women's. So very, very, very successful, right? Um, a very successful trip. And yeah, shout out and congrats to Kristen. That's fantastic. Uh, Paige Pierce takes second place, of course. She still played really well. Um, she was definitely really fighting here in this last round to try to kind of catch up to Kristen at the end. But, you know, Kristen just took it. Kristen tied for the hot round in, in this last round. Um, and then third place 
speaking of the hot round of six under, Rebecca Cox uh, also shot a six under to shoot into third place, which is great. (laughs) Another player that has been very exciting to watch for uh, the last few years, and she just kind of continues to get better and better. Um, So yeah, Rebecca Cox, 10 under for the tournament, third place finish. And then Sarah Hokum had a really good tournament. Uh, Today she shot a totally clean card, which is awesome. She shot four under, so four birdies, no bogeys. And she ties for fourth place with Paige Birkis. Again, so happy to see Paige Birkis out there competing and (laughs) throwing putters in the woods, right? Like watching both pages throw putters in the woods is just an absolute joy. Um, And those lines they hit are are very special. So that was cool to see. Uh, Katrina Allen finished the third round with a two under and that gave her an eight under for the whole tournament. She finishes in sixth place. And then y'all Heather young, we have not talked about Heather young enough. She's a regional player from Tennessee. I'm pretty sure. I think she's like 15 or 16 and she's very, very good (laughs) at the disc golf. Um, And she had herself a great tournament. Keep an eye on Heather young. She is going to do things. She's left-handed. Uh, She finished the third round at two under, went six under for the whole tournament to finish in seventh place at U.S. Women's. That's pretty darn good. Jessica Weiss, very stoked to see Jessica Weiss in the top 10. She finished three under today and five under for the tournament. Michelle Frazier dropped a little bit, but hey, y'all, she still stayed in the top 10, which is fantastic. I believe she's at Princeton. That's what (laughs) Megan and Courtney said back on that episode they were on. So she is, I believe, a full-time student, still playing disc golf when she can. And uh, yeah, three under on the round today to put her for four under for the tournament in ninth place. And then Hannah Leatherman, very, very excited to see Hannah competing in this event. She tied the hot round for round three, also at six under to finish at four, uh, three under for the tournament. She shot up 10 spots today to take uh, 10th place, which uh, she shares with Ellen Widboom, who shot three under today, three under for the tournament, and also shares 10th place with Callie McMorrin, who shot one under today, finishes at three under as well for the tournament. And that is your top 10. Uh, great to see Callie have a really good tournament. This is her first year on tour. She switched sponsors in the middle of the season. Um, she's been making a name for herself, picking up more sponsors. This is what you know she wants to do. Love to see her working hard. Love to see her in the top 10 at this tournament. All right. So let's keep running through the money here. Lisa Fakus had a great round three, shot five under to finish at two under for the tournament. And she ties for 13th place with Deanne Carey and Stephanie Vincent, who both had really good round threes as well. Maris Perendi from, you guessed it, Estonia, took 16th place. Guys, Estonia. It's a place where the disc golf is happening, where the women's disc golf is happening. I love it. I'm so excited. Let's take Ladies of the Chains on the road and go to Estonia. Let's do it. Okay. And tied with Maris in 16th place was Holly Finley. 18th place, y'all, Becky Harris. If you follow Andrew Fish on Twitter, he predicted that Becky Harris was going to have a good tournament, and she did. She she had a little bit of a rough round there at the end today, um, but still finishes in the cash. Way to go, Becky. In 19th place, we've got Missy Gannon. Tied with Missy in 19th is Vanessa Van Dyken. And then the other clean card on the day 
with four birdies and no bogeys, just like Sarah Hokum, but on different holes, was Erica Johnson. So she's in 21st place. And tying with her, she had a little bit of a tough tournament, was on that feature card the first round, but still managed to finish in last cash, Haley King. So maybe a little bit of a disappointing tournament um, for her. I don't know. She's still finished at two over, still finished in the cash. And I like watching Haley King play a whole lot. And I'm really, really excited to continue to watch her playing. All right. That was a whole lot of words from me. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to... Uh, just the whole staff out there in Spotsylvania. I know they worked really, really hard. I know the community worked hard. Um, I know the club out there worked very hard to make this this event uh, possible. Um, thanks to Jomez for filming. Thanks to Marty Gregoire again for going live on the PGGA Facebook today uh, so we could all enjoy that. Thanks as always to Matt and Josh for UDISC and all the amazing stuff. Uh, looks like it was a really exciting tournament. I'm really excited to hear more about it from Andrea and Sarah. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be back with Sarah Hibbs. Ladies First Disc Golf is the most comprehensive retailer for women's disc golf needs. With over 50 five-star reviews on Google and Facebook, listen to what their customers have to say. Carla C says, this is the place to shop when wanting to get something special for the disc golfing ladies you know. The superior customer service, ability to quickly make custom orders, product knowledge, and utter kindness shown to all makes this a standout company. If you are looking for stylish and comfortable disc golf apparel and discs for women disc golfers of all skill levels, Ladies First Disc Golf has your needs covered. For Ladies of the Chains listeners, we're offering an exclusive 20% off discount on your next order of $19 or more. Visit ladiesfirstdiscgolf.com and use code LOTC20 at checkout. Sarah Hibbs, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you this evening? I am doing well. Thank you so much for taking some time to speak with me. I'm sure you are at least a little bit tired after this weekend. Is that true? Oh, my goodness. I'm really looking forward to sleeping in my <laughs> actual bed tonight, right? as opposed to my makeshift camper for one in the back of a minivan oh, no. sleeping on an air mattress. <laughs> So I have some specific questions for you, but let's just start with, can you talk about your experience this weekend at U.S. Women's? Oh my goodness, it was exciting. I've never played in a major before, so mm. this was my first time doing that. And let me tell you, the gameplay is very different. Mm. <laughs> it's a whole other level. <laughs> um, I was thrilled to play with so many ladies. Um, it was fun to hear everybody from all over have mm. their experiences. And it was um, it was really good. I kind of feel like my uh, my disc golf cup is now filled back up. Nice. And I'm re-inspired to go do more things. That's so great. So, so, yeah, tell me about the courses. I know the amateurs played on some different courses uh, than the pros, so they're not courses that I think we'll get to see on camera. So, yeah, what did you guys play? So, um, I was in the sea pool playing FA2. And we played at Loriella Park oh, okay. and at Blockhouse Sunnyside. So um, Loriella was lovely. It was a nice mix of um, wide open spaces and very tight wooded holes. And there was a little water carry. And it was, uh, it was a nice course. It was really well maintained, very well groomed. Mm -hmm. And then um, Blockhouse on Sunnyside was also really nice. Um, with lots of different elevation changes and a nice mix of open and tight holes and, uh, you know, interesting little features. 
So it was uh, very different and very exciting, though. Yeah. And was the, the Blockhouse one was the one that you played two rounds on one day. Is that correct? Oh, that was at L'Oreal. We played Friday oh, at Blockhouse. Okay. And then two rounds on Saturday at L'Oreal. And then this morning we were at Blockhouse again for our redemption round. Okay. Well, I just... Which- yeah, it was really nice. Yeah. So oh, it was really nice to get that second look and get a chance to do things again. Right. Yeah, definitely. So I was just watching the round two coverage of FPO and they said Saturday was just like really hot. And I know you're a Florida girl, so it might not have bothered you <laughs> quite as much. But yeah, the two rounds in one day in the heat. How did that go? Well, honestly, it was glorious. The okay. humidity was kind of low, and it wasn't really too hot, especially <laughs> nice. in the shade. Everybody else, I think, was kind of melting, though. Right. <laughs> so um, it was warm, you know. Yeah. Uh, you just have to drink a lot of water and eat a lot of snacks, even though you don't want to. Right. <laughs> but that's what you do. Right on, right on. <laughs> the heat's part of life. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, you just kind of never know. Um, so, yeah, what was it that kind of drew you to U.S. women's? Like I just mentioned, you are from Florida. So that was that was a bit of a, a trek for you. Uh, what made you decide to go out this year? Well, a couple of years back, I was, uh, I think, sitting at a putting contest at, US, or at Worlds with mm. uh, um, one of the ladies. And she says, you know, Worlds is fun and all, but you really should try to go to the U.S. women's mm. GGC contest. And I was like, there's a women's contest? <laughs> Hold up. And I'm pretty new to disc golf, so mm. I started looking around. And said, oh, well, I need to go to this. And then I talked to somebody else not too long ago, and they said, oh, there's this place in Virginia I need to go check out. I think it's called the Blockhouse. And they had mm. this tiki thing, and <laughs> it's really cool. And um, sure enough, that was where it was. And I was like, well, I better get there. I've had multiple people now tell me this is exciting. Mm. And uh, they provide very excellent information and recommendations. Mm. So yeah, you just mentioned the tiki thing. Let's talk about uh, yeah some of the uh, the events and some of the outside of the disc golf stuff that went down for you. Oh yeah, they had a lovely players party to start up at the um, some distillery in uh, Fredericksburg or Spotsylvania. I'm not sure which one, but anyhow, that was very nice. And then um, the next night they had a big block party over at the blockhouse for us. And um, there was a putting circus, which was um, probably the wildest putting I've ever seen <laughs> with dancing green gorillas and people in banana suits. Um, you had to stand in a big old pool of ice water and take your, your putters out of a bucket of water and then throw them and try to get it into the basket. And it was, um, it was exciting to say the least. <laughs> it was really cool. And uh, let's see. Oh, this tiki course. It's, I'm going to call it uh, like a putt-putt course right, yeah. for disc golf. So there's regular size baskets. You got there with your regular size putters. And it's like a par two, everything. It's all measured out in inches for you so lovingly. <laughs> so this hole was 818 inches. And uh, it was, um, there's a lot of obstacles, kind of like you might find on a putt-putt course. Yeah. And uh, one of them had this elevated basket that was probably you know, a good 15 feet in the air. It had a tube going down and dropped it in the basket below. It was really cool. <laughs> that is amazing and sounds like a lot of fun. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So as 
did you have kind of a favorite moment over the weekend, whether that was a, a playing moment or just even something off the course? Oh, my goodness. I think it was um, playing that round at the Tiki course. <laughs> yeah. That was probably the most fun that I had the entire weekend, which I just happened to pick up with two lovely gals from Illinois. Um, yes. It was uh, Carrie and Amy. Yeah, <laughs> and I saw that on Facebook. We, That's awesome. Um, oh, yeah. We played a, a round, and at one point, I'm lying on the ground throwing a disc into a... Uh, a basket or try to get it into a, a obstacle and they're like oh did you look up and notice that this was open I was like oh seriously guys <laughs> I just laid on the ground to throw this it was awesome we had so much fun oh that's so cool so I was really excited to see that you were playing U.S. Women's because I wanted to talk to you about that but I also wanted to have you on because you are running an all-women's event down there in Florida in October. So can you tell us a little bit about that event, when it's happening, and the courses and all that good stuff? Oh, yes. So um, on October 26th, we are having a uh, single day, two rounds, uh, B tier for AMs and C tier for pros um, tournament. It's called the Ladies Tea Party. And this will be our second year hosting it. And it's going to be in Orlando. And it's going to be on the same courses where we're going to be having um, Worlds next year. So uh, we can practice the Worlds courses on the same courses you're going to be playing on and get all your points that you might need for um, Worlds as well. That's very cool. And that's uh, Amateur Worlds. Yeah, that's going to be in Orlando next year. Very cool. Uh, Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about those courses? Is it kind of the the typical Florida disc golf thing? And, And yeah, what are they like? Oh, yeah. So um, the courses we're going to be playing on over, over at Bill Frederick Park at Turkey Lake. Um, one of them is called the original. The other one's called T2. Um, so the original course has a lot of very um, open, very green, grassy, you know, beautiful, expansive spaces. Mm-hmm. And you can uh, serve the baskets pretty long distances. Um, there's not too much elevation. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, there's not too much underbrush on that course. Sure. Uh, however, on T2, it does get into the woods a little bit more mm. and um, has a little more underbrush on uh, a couple of one really long hole, a couple of water carries. So it's uh, a nice mix of open and tight holes and uh, some that are wooded, some that are you know wide open space. So you can really bomb it out there. But they're all really uh, well designed, I think. Very cool. And if uh, listeners want to get more information about this tournament, where can they, can they find out about it? Oh, yes. Everything is on um, Disc Golf Scene. Yeah. Look for the 2019 Ladies Tea Party. And then also we have a Facebook uh, page where I've been posting all kinds of things. It's the um, Ladies Tea Party. You can search for that. It'll show up with our little logo. And um, feel free to join that. This is also the beginning of our first ever Florida ladies tour where we're um, having a uh, a tour of a bunch of tournaments around the state and um, it'll start uh, in at the tea party and it'll end at the women's global next year and we'll have stops all over the place uh, because we don't play in the summertime around here we play in the winter (laughs) because it's so beautiful oh that's so cool so I love it delightful that's so neat I think someone out there should do uh, y'all's 
uh, tour down there. Like, just go spend the winter in Florida, right? And you can do the women's tour there. Absolutely. And then spend the summer in the Midwest and the Heartland Women's Series. And there you go. That's your your year of disc golf. I think that's a good plan. <laughs> Sounds perfect. Yeah, I think I'm going to be wanting some uh, Florida weather here in a few months. So <laughs> maybe I'll Absolutely. see what I can Come on do. down, join the snowbirds. Yeah. It's delightful. <laughs> That's so cool. I love it. So I had actually just two more questions about U.S. women's that I really want to ask that I forgot. Um, So did you get any chances to interact with the pros? Did you get any chance to watch the pros or were you all playing kind of at the same time and in different places? So I think that may be my one, you know, very mild, very, uh, you know, understated beef would be that I didn't get to watch any of the pro women playing and yeah. a little bit of that's due to my own flight schedule having to get sure. back home because um, they were playing this afternoon right. I think the intention was okay all the uh, amps play in the morning on Sunday and then we all go to oh, gosh, goodness I think it was L'Oreal they were mm-hmm. playing at right and go watch the, um, the final round yeah. with all the uh, professional women but um, I had to catch a flight sure. out and get back to Orlando but um, there was, uh, I guess, you know, a good portion of them came to the block party. So mm-hmm. if I happened to recognize somebody that I've sure. seen on one of the coverages, I might be able to say something and say hello. Yeah. But beyond that, there really wasn't much opportunity yeah. to see them because they were in a completely separate place from us right. the entire time. Yeah, yeah. That's a really important and good so point. So that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. yeah. And kind of with that, too, I'm just curious how you felt about the format obviously you were you were traveling in from some distance and then you had four rounds in three days um was that something that you enjoyed or did it kind of feel like a ton of golf uh what what's kind of your preference so i i don't think we could have done much less golf sure and be happy about it it was yeah, right <laughs> it on. was um definitely the minimum amount i would want to see yeah for that many days of golf and um I almost kind of wish I had an extra round to play on sure. Friday. Sure. But um, I understand people were traveling. They were, um, you know, trying to stagger things out and right. not completely destroy us and wipe <laughs> us out. Because uh, we were pretty tired today, yeah. but we got done yeah. so quickly this morning. It would have been kind of fun to have another round, perhaps, yeah. or, um, you know, something. But it was a good mix. You know, I, I appreciate not having. Um, such a packed schedule that we sure. can't do anything else. Right. But also I, I like more than one round a day. Awesome. So cool. It was nice. I, I appreciate the uh, people that were running this were fabulous. Yes. Um, I felt like everybody was very well taken care of. There were volunteers mm. everywhere. Oh my goodness. On mm. every hole. I think today at Blockhouse, there was a volunteer spotting for us, which was wonderful. Yeah. Very easy. Kept the things moving. So they did a great job. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for taking some time to talk with me, even though, you know, you just finished this huge trip and, and all of that playing and, and congrats on a successful tournament for you. I saw today's round, especially, like you said, you kind of got your vengeance a little bit there, which is always exciting. So yeah, thank you. And uh, we'll keep talking about your event and really excited to see the ladies tea party happen here in October. Perfect. Thank you so much. Andrea Eaton, welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing tonight? I am fantastic. I'm a little travel tired, but other than that, great. Coming back from the East Coast and heading into Colorado a couple hours behind what I'm used to, so 
it'll be nap time soon. <laughs> it's, I guess it's kind of nice. It's kind of like you get a little bit of that time back when you go the opposite yeah. direction, right? A <laughs> couple extra hours. I'm just yeah. going to go with that. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. So just like I did with Sarah, I've got um, some specific questions for you, but uh, let's just start with describe your experience out at U.S. Women's kind of in your own words. What, what was it like? Yeah. So this was my first U.S. Women's DGC. So it was my first tournament um, of that sort. And it was, it was truly amazing. Mm. Um, number one, going to a women's tournament. I mean, that's how I started playing tournaments. Mm. I went to a women's tournament and that was my introduction to the whole tournament thing. And so, you know, I really love that. And so to go to a tournament that is held on this level mm. was just spectacular. Um, you know, I, I think there were 167, something like that, women that yeah. participated. So it's the largest women's event. I think there were 52 or 53 women in the mm-hmm. FPO division. Um, so some, some record-breaking statistics there, which is just, you know, incredible to be a part of. Mm. Um, but the staff really did a fantastic job they thought of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're practicing earlier. They had water on the courses. They had things already set mm-hmm. up. The caddy book already described where the, the, the holes were going to be. Um, you know, and then even in the tournament, they had water, they had, um, restrooms available that were immaculate. Mm-hmm. They had snack tables that were set up. They had, you know, they, they really did think of everything that they possibly could. So the experience of, um, going to this tournament and it being so well run was just more than I ever could have imagined. Yeah. And the camaraderie and, um, you know, just being around women who have the same passion mm. for the sport that we play was, was fantastic. The players party, um, you know, the, the players meeting in the beginning was incredibly powerful, mm. um, you know, to just be a part of, you know, you go to the players meeting and you, you're there with everybody and you hear the rules and all those pieces, but, um, you know, there was also a charity component of mm-hmm. this tournament and they actually had somebody who was impacted by that charity mm-hmm. come and speak. So it was just very moving and um, uh, it was a ton of fun, obviously great competition, but I, I can't wait for next year. I'm ready to go back. Let's do it. That's awesome. So, yeah, I guess, you know, obviously you're you're in Colorado, you live in Colorado and this was a pretty significant distance for you to travel and I know you just described you know kind of all the amazingness of it um but what was it maybe about this specific tournament that made you say yeah that's that's the one that I want to go to yeah I think you know at the beginning of this year I decided that this entire year I was going to play in the FPO division Mm -hmm. and I I just really want to compete against that level of athlete I want to compete against people who are are, you know, vying for that world title or who are the considered the best in the world. Um, but to have one, all of those athletes be in one place and two, for it to be a women's specific event. Um, I, I, I couldn't pass that up. Um, for sure. Yeah. Coming from Colorado to Virginia, um, you know, you're, it it obviously is a a huge distance to travel, Mm -hmm. but it, it was absolutely worth it. I think, um, Again, it goes back to that camaraderie and just being around people who are like-minded, but it just was a decision that it, it was a no-brainer for me. Mm-hmm. I want to go and compete at this level, and I knew that everybody um, who who want, like, everybody who was competing in the FPO division at that higher level and who was touring around would come to this event mm-hmm. and come together and really, um, I, I guess, 
shine in their own way, but really just enjoy the experience from the players' party to the putting circus, which is amazing. If mm-hmm. you've never heard of the putting circus <laughs> at Blockhouse, you have to check it out. Um, but it was fun. It, it, it was something that I couldn't pass up for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about the courses, um, being that you played yes. in FPO. These are the courses that we got to see on Jomez, uh, L'Oreal yes. and Hawk Hollow. But yeah, talk to us about being actually there on the ground. Um, I especially want to hear about, uh, I think it's what, hole 10 at L'Oreal that shot over the water. Oh. I think that's kind of like the signature hole. But yeah, what was it like in person? What? How'd you feel about these courses? Yeah. Well, number one, hole, hole 10 is my nemesis. Let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> I would probably be there with you, but it looks cool. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. Um, you know, coming, you know, I, I started playing disc golf in Colorado, right. really. And I'm used to playing here. And I will tell you that when I walked up to hole three at Loreella mm. and saw this tunnel shot yep. that was feet wide you know and straight down i was like what have i gotten myself into yeah um the courses were amazing it's so different than golf that i'm used to but Mm -hmm. honestly i loved it so much Mm -hmm. because you know you really have to be able to hit a line you really have to be able to control your disc it isn't just throw as hard as you can into a big field and then shoot an up shot and hopefully you go in the basket Mm -hmm. you know um so the technical side of it for me was new but just reinvigorating to be honest and I did have a chance to play with a couple of the touring pros and to watch them just really commit and Mm -hmm. hit lines um full force and just going for it was incredible I think the courses were appropriately challenging I think they were appropriately parred um you know it really did give everybody a chance to compete and um you know, you had to hit the line, you had to be precise, you had to be on your game to score really well. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing to see, you know, Paige and and Kristen Tatar and all these players shoot these under par scores and just continue to do it and really shine it. You have to be incredibly skilled to do Mm -hmm. well on those courses. Um, And and they did. So I I hope people are checking out the coverage. I hope they're really seeing um, and appreciating the talent of these ladies who are out here, um, just really giving it everything they've got because it was incredible. Um, hole, hole 10. So you, it's an elevated T mm-hmm. and, um, you know, there's a lot of ground between you and the lake and then there's a lake and then it's uphill to the basket. Mm-hmm. So you're yeah. downhill to a lake, the lake, and then you're going uphill and there's somewhat of a low ceiling. You have to throw mm-hmm. it low enough to get, um, under the branches, but high enough that you're going over the lake. That was a really fun one to throw, and I think the decision on that hole was, do I go for it Mm -hmm. and try to get across the lake, or do I lay up? And I think in the stats, you would see that, you know, there are a lot of competitors who decided, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and lay up and take a safe shot and hopefully get my three. Um, But, you know, I'm sure on the coverage, you'll see that a lot of ladies went for it, and Mm -hmm. it's incredibly exciting. Yeah. Um, You know, hole, hole 13 was probably the most difficult on the course for me. Um, and I don't know that a lot of people hear about it, but, you know, going down a tunnel of trees mm-hmm. and then a, a sharp dog leg left mm-hmm. over a pond, not really an elevated basket, but up on a little hill. That was incredibly difficult as yeah. well, but so much fun to throow. Yeah. And yeah. How yeah. Did, how'd you feel about the courses as a lefty? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, to be honest with you, I feel like they were quote unquote lefty friendly. And that's how I felt when I started playing the courses. And 
you know, um, I felt like there was an opportunity as a lefty to be able to throw lines and to be able to hit the gap and, um, and, and have a fair chance. I yeah. love courses that are designed for both lefty and righty right. to have an opportunity to do well with a few holes that are righty friendly or lefty mm-hmm. friendly or forehand or backhand, right. however you want to look at it. But, you know, I felt like they were really lefty friendly and I, and I'll be honest that I started watching some of these top competitors play. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is there were a lot of righty backhand and hyzer shots. Mm-hmm. So to get the full line where I would throw maybe a hyzer and get half of the line mm-hmm. to see these righty Jessica Weiss in particular, but mm-hmm. throw these, you know, Anheuser or forehand, backhand, and these beautiful S lines that go through the woods and somehow miraculously miss all the trees. I think there are magnets or something. <laughs> something is happening. Yeah, but um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, again, I think it truly goes back to you just have to be skilled yeah. um, as a player to hit the lines, whether you're right-handed or left-handed. But as a left-handed player, I do feel like there were some opportunities for me there um, that you don't see every day. Mm, right on. Awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, you got to play with a wide variety of people. Um, yeah. I know you followed the lead card at the end there, too. Can you talk a little bit about just some of the players you got to see and some of the things, uh, yeah, that you got to see them do? Yeah, so, um, you know, I I, had not, I don't think there was another person that I had played with previously on any of the cards that oh, I cool. played. So that's yeah. always exciting. Um, I had an opportunity to play with Cassie Sweeten and Toja from Australia. I, they, I played with each of them, which was amazing to just, you know, somebody that you would never compete with otherwise to yeah. be able to interact with them and get to know them a little bit was awesome. Um, Hannah Leatherman played with Jessica Weiss, but, you know, again, um, one, the camaraderie and the meeting of people is why this golf is so special to me. Yeah. But to have an opportunity to see people uh, choose different lines, mm-hmm. hit different gaps, do those, it really was truly a learning experience mm-hmm. for me. But, um, you know, we we would finish up playing, and I had an opportunity to go and watch some of the lead cards and the chase card and, and um, some of those players compete. And it, it was fun. I got to watch the um, final round yeah. probably from hole 12 and on yeah. um, with the chase and the lead card. And so, one, to see the crowds that were building and the mm. people that were following and, and how they were cheering was incredible. Um, but to see, again, just the focus and the determination and the lines and the shots that people were making, it it truly is special. They made it look easy. Mm. You know, I remember standing on the tee pad and thinking, man, this 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 gap is so small and watching them throw. And I'm like, man, it looks so much bigger just because <laughs> they truly pured the gap yeah. and, and hit the line as it was intended. So to be able to watch them was, was pretty special. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite moment from this weekend? Oh, truly there are so many. Um, I feel like the most fun moment uh, maybe was, the putting competition. Mm. I don't know if you've heard about how this happened. Um, but so basically after the first round, every competitor had an opportunity to participate in a quali- uh, a putting competition to qualify for the finals. Um, but what they failed to tell everybody is that the finals actually included um, the putters were in ice buckets full of water <laughs> And there were people dressed up in costumes distracting the putters from putting. 
So they were dressed up as bananas and monkeys, and they were throwing balls and playing wiffle ball in the middle of these women who were trying to actually putt. So they thought they were walking into like just a normal putting competition to win when in fact they call it the putting circus. Mm-hmm. Um, they had all of these distractions and characters and whatever, and everybody was watching. It was incredibly fun. Um, it really just kind of brought everybody together and made everybody laugh and have a great time. Even the competitors had a blast with it. So just something that was so unique and different um, as to other tournaments. But that was just really fun to see everybody kind of have the spirit of competition, but be relaxed at the same time. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think I read something about that online. That's just, that was great. so funny. <laughs> I have a great picture of a banana standing on top of the basket while somebody is cutting. It's great. <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> well, such, such good stuff. Good information. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anything else that you want to share with us? No, I, I think the big thing really is to just truly give every single person on the staff and uh, the volunteers, the people who, who truly have spent more than a year preparing for this yeah. tournament to just truly say thank you for the effort that they put in. Mm-hmm. Um, it really was, it was palpable. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the care, the concern, the thought, the preparation that went into this tournament. Um, I, I do, I think that it was appreciated beyond measure. Just, yeah. you know, every turn there was something that we all say we wish would happen in other tournaments. Mm-hmm. They took care of it right. in every single way. And they were kind and they were on top of it. Um, it just, it was an amazing experience and a truly well-run tournament. And to just say thank you for everybody who put so much time in to make it such a wonderful mm-hmm. experience. Um, I would go back there time and time again, yeah. simply because of the time that they took and the effort that they put into running that tournament. So I think it's it's important to say a huge thank you mm-hmm. to everybody who contributed to making this event so incredible. Yeah, that's really great. Well, thank you yeah. again so much for sharing your experience with us. Uh, do you have some more tournaments lined up uh, for the season? What's next for you? Yeah, you know what? I don't know. I think this was the big one. Um that I was really kind of focused on, yeah. but there were a few tournaments coming up here locally that I probably will play in, but I feel like the season is, you know, wrapping up a sure. little bit and it's time to think about off season stuff and preparation for getting ready for the next year. I know we have the harvest. That's um, a pretty big tournament that's happening here. Um, so I probably will play in that one. Um, I'm not sure. I think it's, um, you know, taking the time to just kind of reflect on the tournament as yeah. we just did and, and thinking about the things that I really have to work on that I learned that the woods is a whole different mm. thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> it is so much fun. But yeah, I think, um, yeah, there'll probably be a few more things. We're really just trying to think about next year and getting ready for that. That's wonderful. Well, thank you yeah. so much again. Get some rest. <laughs> we'll, yeah, you too. <laughs> we'll hopefully talk to you again soon. All right, Becky. Thank you so much. listening to the ladies of the chains disc golf podcast as always thank you to dz discs where's the disc you see is the disc you get use the code guitar at checkout and new customers can get a discount hey thanks again to sarah and andrea um so cool to hear about their experiences uh it just sounds like it was a really really well run event um congrats again to Kristen tatar and and Paige and rebecca cox and everyone who participated in this year's uswdgc uh yeah make sure to check out our podcast next week that is going to be our season finale i'll probably do some interview podcasts again in the off season um, but time to take some time to reflect and refresh and play and all of those good things i hope you get to play some disc golf this week and i'll catch you back here next time on the ladies of the chains disc golf podcast